Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best movie prequel. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Best prequel. Were you trying not to pop, and that's why you were saying prequel? Yeah. Uh, best prequel. It popped, I bet. I bet you popped. Big pop. I could feel it. Well, Hal, we're here with our brand new podcast. We got this with Mark and Hal. It's our first episode. I'm so excited. We just wrapped up the thrilling adventure hour and we decided to go out on our own and start a brand new thing. I'm so excited for people to hear the story of how this all began. I know for them. It's amazing. There's nothing I love more than knowing where a story's going to end. (laughs) (laughs) So you must love Titanic. No. Too soon. <laughs> oh, I thought today was the day that we passed the line. Damn That's it. right. Titanic is the best prequel, and it's the prequel to the rest of the 20th century <laughs> and everything that happened. We're talking prequels today, and we have our dear friend Jordan Morris. What's up, Jordan? Hey, happy to be on We Got This, colon, Origins, <laughs> Rise of a Podcast. Ooh. Mark, I can't wait to hear how you got your famous hat, and how I can't wait to hear how you got your last name. The answer might surprise you. I bet it's going to be really funny and surprising how you got your yeah, last name. And I'm going to be like, oh, we named the dog Lublin. <laughs> uh, I want to sort of talk about what makes a good prequel. Cause there is like that. So like everything that we're talking about, those are all the tropes of a prequel, right? Like we're mm-hmm. going to now we've, oh, now I see where the hat came from, where the name came from. Right. XYZ. All of these are basically some form of that. What makes it good? Do you think, Jordan? Gosh, it, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, I think I, you know, I think prequely prequels always seem like kind of. You know, they seem so cash in right? They seem kind mm-hmm. of like a, you know, who asked for this? Um, but, but I think there's a lot of good ones. When I was just, when I just was looking at a list, a Wikipedia list of movie prequels, I, there's a yeah. lot of movies that I really liked on there. And I think that like, you know, in addition to the Easter eggs, where did they get the hat? Where did they get the scar? Right. How did they meet the character that we know them to be paired up with? Like, right. The good ones tell a good self-contained story and don't require a ton of other information. I think if it's all Easter eggs or the Easter eggs seem too sweaty, that's when you kind of start to feel like they're just sucking out your money with a vacuum cleaner. Um, Right. You know, like there's so much to like about Solo, right? Like I've watched Solo Mm -hmm. since the theaters and it has Mm -hmm. so much good stuff in it. But the stuff that you kind of remember and roll your eyes is just like, like the relentless Easter eggs. Yeah. And the feeling that like this doesn't really matter as a story unless you count the other stuff that happens in the other movies. So anyway, I yeah, maybe these are just some some things I've been thinking about. Yeah, I would agree with that in that it's got to be a good story. It's got to be I need to be surprised in some way. 
You know what I mean? Right. Whether it's how they get there or if you're telling a parallel story within the same universe that leads into the story we all know. Or I like a sneaky prequel when you find out that mm-hmm. something is a prequel at the end. A sequel. Yeah. yeah. A sequel. <laughs> yeah. Like the remake of The Thing that ends with oh, yeah. the first shot of the original movie. And you're like, oh, this is a prequel. You know what I mean? I like, kind of right. like that movie, too. I know that movie mm-hmm. doesn't have a great rep, but I, right. I enjoy it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think another thing that a great prequel does is if the first movie gave us the who and the how, I love it when a prequel gives us the why. Like, why is Cruella the way she is? You know what I mean? Like, if you find out a character's backstory that you didn't know, and it's some surprise about that backstory that answers questions as to why they have the point of view or take the actions that they take in the initial film that first came out. What do you think, Hal? Yeah, I like to see relationships established. I think one that escaped my memory until I was sort of just looking at a list myself, which is a movie that I loved. I think it gets lost in the Pixar canon is Monsters University, Mm -hmm. which is a real fun story in and of itself. It deposits you really close to the beginning of Monsters, Inc., or at least gives you a shorter gap between the two. And Mm -hmm. it establishes – like it shows you the journey that the characters took to get to where they started in that film. And then, of course, in Monsters, Inc., they have their own arc there as well. So I appreciate – I think it has all those things of being a self-contained movie, but also at the end of it i do want to see them i do want to see han solo in the millennium falcon i agree with you jordan about that movie i like it but it is a little too heavy on the like why is he so like i don't care why he's han solo that could just it's a last name name. (laughs) yeah it's fine fine. that can just be the name that was thought of (laughs) sure yeah uh yeah and and it's like and it's like a couple of those are fun but when it seems like a movie is just wall to wall that that that, Mm -hmm. that's when it can start to feel a little bit yucky um i've never seen monsters university that i that's I, i i i that's a gap in my in my pixar knowledge it's great it's great worth watching okay okay yeah I have a question because you mentioned, first of all, what makes an Easter egg sweaty? That is a term I have never heard before. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do think, <laughs> I do is think it that the, go on. Sorry. Or it's, it's just like, it seems like it's answering a question. No one asked like, like yeah, what's your last yeah. name? Like no one ever asked that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think of a better example. I don't know if there is one. Um, you know, I, I, and this is another movie I like and kind of stick up for is mm. I like Prometheus a lot. I think Prometheus mm. is a mm-hmm. cool movie. Again, maybe a movie that has its haters, but, but I do think it tries too hard to tie in alien when it could just right. be a cool, weird sci-fi movie with a lot of gunk and a cool surgery machine. Yep, yeah. maybe alludes to alien or has some, you know, things that if you, you know, pause, you'll see a tapestry or something that depicts a hieroglyph like that stuff is can be fun. But it, it does seem like there's all this weird legwork happening to tie it into the alien movies yeah. kind of toward the end that feels just like, OK, I don't what are we doing? I don't care. Yeah. And then the the kind of like, huh? Eh? Get it? Yeah, like, uh? Yes, we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if something happens, I just want, I'd like, I think we're all on the same page. So if something happens in, it, it takes place in the universe of a series of movies or a movie, uh-huh. but isn't directly like, for example, and this, there's no way I would put this up as a finalist. The Scorpion King mm-hmm. <laughs> is at all at once a spinoff of The Mummy Returns, but it is also a prequel for a character we see in The Mummy Returns, the main sort of monster. Right. 
So that that would be a prequel, right? We would call that a prequel. Yes. Yeah. It, I guess it's got to have some kind of it, it's a t- it seems like a tenuous tie at best. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. How about, I, my, what, my vague memory of that movie and I have not yeah. seen the Scorpion King, but I did see the mummy movie that gave us the Scorpion yes. King. Maybe it's the mummy second Returns. one. Mummy Returns. Yes. And I do remember them making such a big deal that the rock was going to be in it. Like this is the oh, start yeah. of his acting career. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember the big deal, like, Oh, the rock's going to be in a movie. And then he's on screen for about 10 minutes. And it does right. just seem like they already wanted to make that Scorpion King movie. Yep. And then just kind of gave him a cameo here to kickstart it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, maybe the Scorpion King is, is actually a really good movie. I haven't seen it. It's, it's not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's I not. do. Don't, you're fine. <laughs> I do. Uh, I don't know if I'm right about this, but it, it in my mind, it is one of those movies that has like nine direct to DVD sequels. Yep. And you're like, it's like Tremors. It's like, oh, they've made 10 of these. <laughs> the they made 10 Tremors movies. I think that. there's a lot of Tremors. Yeah. I think Jamie Kennedy is in them now. I think mm-hmm. Michael Gross still shows up for everyone. Good on that check. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my I don't god! Think Rebus, I don't think Rebus come back for any of them, but no, yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. Re- Rebus should come back to more things. She should just Trevor's show up Trevor's in colon, Rise of a Reba. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's Reba doing in Rogue One with that Southern accent? <laughs> we got to find the Death Star plans, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, if Bill Burr can be from Space Boston, we can have someone from Space Georgia. <laughs> One more question. Yes. Is Mallrats a prequel? Because it takes place before the events of Clerks, but in the oh, same universe. Oh, I think it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about the Askewniverse timeline, but Ooh. it does sound like that. I mean, it sounds like by definition that is a prequel. Let me ask yeah. you this. I love, I like this game, this initial game to start off the is it a prequel game? Yeah. I have two on those. Okay. Oh. What do we think about, and I'm just going to use an example. I doubt they will win, but I'm looking at Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. What if it is the sequel to a prequel? Is a midquel a prequel? Mm, interesting question. Interesting question. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think we could talk all of the Star Wars prequels, I think, should be in this conversation just because yeah. of how important they are to the idea of a prequel. Yeah, that's true. And I would actually love to hear from you guys because I know I know we're a bunch of Star Wars fans in here. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling about the prequels in 2024? I, you know, I still I, I'll never get over the initial disappointment of Phantom Menace. Sure, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't. And those movies, I've settled into this Jordan over the years, and I've, I've said it on this very show, which is when I went to see Rise of Skywalker, I almost walked out. As soon as they gave Chewbacca the medal, I was ready to walk out. I was like, this okay. is terrible. Mm-hmm. I was so mad. And then I had this moment of serenity when I went, oh, these movies are not made for me. The movies yeah. that were made for me are the original trilogy. Sure. The the prequel trilogy was made for children who were of the correct age, who were born in like 1990, maybe 92, 93, somewhere sure. in there. They were young children. So I still – I don't like one and two. I still, they're very hard to watch. I Mm. I actually think episode three is maybe the best of those three movies because it leads directly. You could watch it and then watch a new hope right after. Yeah. And it, it makes a new hope better. And that's a really good prequel. I think if it, if it enhances the original film. Yeah. Then I think that's a good measuring stick. Okay. I have one more to ask about. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I just saw it this week. So that's why it's in my mind. 
I actually saw this movie. I've been meaning to see it because uh, it is a friend of mine that is in it who made her major, major movie debut in this cool. film. It was a big deal wow. that she was in it. I waited too long, and the only place it was playing was at the CVG or CGV, the Koreatown Cinema. So uh, I yeah. watched it with Korean subtitles <laughs> that I did not expect to see. And when they first popped up at the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm watching it with Korean subtitles. And this is a movie that has more Easter eggs than I have ever seen in a movie. And I've heard some people calling it a prequel to an entire canon of films. And that is Disney's Wish. Have you guys oh, seen Wish? I haven't seen Wish. I uh -uh. didn't know. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It is. There are over 100 by Disney's design and admission over a 100 Easter eggs and homages to the 100 years of Disney cinema in oh, this. I didn't know that's what that movie was doing. Is it kind yeah. of a multiverse thing? Is it a into the into the wishiverse? I that's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure into out if it's an into the wishiverse or if it's just so much homage that right. the story becomes you know, I, like, is it, are they just winks or are they, I, I will take it out of the contention in this because okay. my gut feeling is that this is just Disney making homages okay. to itself throughout. As Ken Plume puts it, the synergy verse. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a thing where like a portal opens and like Snow White steps through and says, we need your help. <laughs> Tammy Wish. <laughs> Weirdly, that's Snow White played by Jake Johnson. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tammy wish. <laughs> no, but there is a great moment at the end where she dons a classic Disney character and becomes that person. So, okay. uh, yeah. Mm. So without, without too many spoilers, it's, there is a moment at the end where you're like, Oh, this kind of is a prequel to the birth of this one character that's within oh, the Disney canon. Uh huh. Okay. Mm. Interesting. But I don't want to, I don't want to go, I, A, I don't want to give it away, and B, I don't think it's going to win. So we can stop talking about Wish. I realize I have one more on my list that I'm not sure mm -hmm. if it's a prequel or not. Just because it's part of a film series, but it just feels like more like it's out of order, which is mm -hmm. uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which takes place yeah. canonically before Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark. Is it a prequel? I was going to bring it up as part of the conversation. I mean, I oh, think there's a right. world where it wins. I mean, I genuinely didn't know it was a prequel until I was researching prequels for mm -hmm. this conversation. Right. But, I mean, it's wild that it is. It shows how interested George was in the idea of the prequel, even, mm -hmm. <laughs> even <Yeah>. in the <laughs> 80s. Um, yeah, and and I, you know, and those first two Indiana Jones movies don't have a lot to do with each other. So, it, right. uh, so it's like... It seems like at a, you know, at that point they were just like, oh, these are James Bond. It just kind of happens and it doesn't really matter what came before it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's worth talking about. Is Temple of Doom the greatest prequel of all time? It might be. It's interesting because in my reading about it for this episode, I came across the reason that it takes place beforehand. And it seems like a solid or a reason that was given in one of these articles, a reason that was given as to why it takes place before the events of Raiders of the Lost Ark is they didn't want any Nazis in it. And <laughs> once he is involved with Nazis and once Nazis have taken hold of the world, it's kind of... It's kind of a thing you can't get away from. You know what I mean? It's a bell you yeah. can't unring. So if you don't want Nazis in the movie, you have to set it before the Nazis really come into global power. 
So mm. I thought that was an interesting reason that they said it, it beforehand. So it's a little more practical than it is. Yeah, than it is. Let's talk about like the prequel element. I think came about more in the third movie with the how he got his hat, how he got right. His yeah, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Why yeah. he's afraid of snakes? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's more traditional. Mm-hmm. It also meets the require. He does go through an arc at the beginning because he's fortune and glory, which he never is in any of the other films. Because so you kind see of a, his kind sort of, a lost of like. Arc. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the, that's the <laughs> yeah, yay! Some people are cheering. We some people it. are booing. Some people are cheering. I don't know. Some, who's who? Who knows who's doing what? <laughs> My Tammy wish came true. And you said it. <laughs> Thank you, Tammy. <laughs> but yeah, I think it. I think it is a a prequel. I think it should. I think it is. I think we should yeah. put it up. Mark, here's the better. Here's to, oh yeah. Here's, here's the better wish post credit sequence. Okay. The portal opens. All the princesses come out. Bell from Beauty and the Beast steps forward and she's like, We're building a team and we need you to be our guest. Oh Tammy Wish. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, boo. <laughs> Don't you boo yourself on our show. You are our guest. Yeah. Don't you boo our guest. Don't you dare. All right. Shall we just dive into uh some of these? We talked a little bit before we started and figured the easiest way to do this, because there are so many prequels out there, would be to just throw out some of what we believe are our contenders. Objectively, our contenders, maybe a couple of subjective contenders can find their way sure. in there. But we will find sure. the objective answer to what is the best movie prequel would or, or should we should we wrap up our conversation about temple of doom and let that be our inaugural entry onto this list yeah i mean i i, I think it's worth talking about does anything beat temple of doom i think i as a prequel? I, I i have one that i'll maybe save for the back half of the conversation if people mm-hmm. don't bring it up because i have one that i think i want to stump for um okay. okay but i do think if there's a world where temple of doom wins i think everybody's happy I mean, uh, yeah. it would not be the first time that Indiana Jones or something from that universe won an episode of this show. Sure. Yeah. I, I think it's really good. I think there are some other ones that I have and that maybe all of us have that maybe feel more prequely. And sure. I don't know if that's yeah, like yeah. they skirt that line between here's a movie that took place before because we didn't want Nazis and here's something that isn't full of like sweaty Easter eggs. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Uh, Somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. A more prequely prequel. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, well, why don't we take a quick break to start before we jump into this? Now that we've sort of set our ground rules as to what we think makes a good prequel as to we've defined our parameters for what a prequel is. And then we will come back in a moment and jump into what we believe are some of the contenders for the greatest prequel of all time. How does that sound? Yes. All right. We will be right back in the meantime. Let's tell you about some of the other great shows on the Maximum Fun Network, shall we? The Eurovision Song Contest. Hundreds of millions of people watch it every year. It played a part in a democratic revolution in Portugal, it introduced the world to Riverdance, and it launched Celine Dion's career. But you might have never watched it. It's got so much history and so many storylines that it can feel overwhelming to get into. Mm-hmm. It's like a real housewife season, but everyone's a better singer. Well, sometimes. But that's where we come in. I'm Dimitri Pompey. I'm Oscar Montoya. And I'm Jeremy Bent, and we're the hosts of Eurovangelists. If you're new to Eurovision, we'll tell you everything you need to know to start enjoying the world's most important important song competition. And if you're already a fan, we'll dive deep on its wildest moments, like when Ireland sends a turkey puppet to sing for them. You're Evangelist. New episodes every Thursday. On MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jordan Cruciola, host of Feeling Seen, where we start by asking our guests just one question. What movie character made you feel seen? I knew exactly what it was. Clementine. 
from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Joy Wang slash Jobutupaki. That one question launches amazing conversations about their lives, the movies they love, and about the past, present, and future of entertainment. Roy in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I worry about what this might say about me, but I've brought Tracy Flick in the film Election. So if you like movies, diverse perspectives, and great conversations, check us out. Oof, this is real. New episodes of Feeling Seen drop every week on MaximumFun.org. All right, we're back. Let's talk prequels. Jordan, you are our guest, so please throw out your first contender, will ya? Uh, yeah, I will. I think so. <laughs> so I love a wacky timeline. There's no more mm-hmm. wackier timeline than the timeline of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, um, I love it. Oh. So <laughs> they have a whole there's a whole stretch of those movies that are prequels to mm-hmm. Tokyo Drift. Yes. yes. So Tokyo Drift, the third movie to come out, like five or six of them take place before Tokyo Drift. And so their yes. timeline has gotten very wacky, as has everything else about the movies i i love them i mean i think they've lost maybe a little steam lately i think that the last one kind of made me feel like all right maybe wrap it up yeah family okay yeah sure. um yeah quarter you mile jumped the time. shark a while ago right yes <laughs> yeah that's the but only it's the thing most fun shark done. jumps it literal is. shark jump yeah I, I love those movies and i i you know i i will see everyone in a theater but yeah uh, but i have had so much fun with them in the past and i do think mm-hmm. it is worth acknowledging that they do take their stupid stupid timeline very seriously so oh yeah i want to i want to <laughs> posit that maybe one of the greatest prequels of all time is fast five that is the yeah. one in rio where they drag the giant safe around it's um, so fun it is it really is it it it, it. <laughs> those movies all kind of run together for me a little bit but i always yeah. remember that one and i think it kind of has the start of Ludacris and tyrese kind of playing more of the comedy which i think they're mm-hmm. great at and mm-hmm. yeah it, it really is them taking how crazy those movies are to the next level just understanding that they're cartoons and yeah and it kind of like it, it, it really really yeah, really set the scene for them to just go even crazier. And, uh, I really, I really like it. It, it, I kicked my cable recently, but before I did, I would always just stop on Fast Five if it was on yeah. FX and have a great old time. Oh, yeah. I think it's an undeniably fun movie. And may I say, in the world of prequels, keep your solo, I'll take Han. Because yes. that's the only <laughs> reason Han, justice, justice for Han. For Han. The only wow. reason all those movies are prequels is because Han was such a great character in Tokyo Drift yep. that you had to make these movies prequels right. so that he could be alive. And mm-hmm. so that he could, and then that got convoluted again later. But right. like the idea that, and now they're just killing people and bringing them back. Like, nah, we saw you die, but okay, sure. sure. <laughs> we saw you go into a plane's engine. <laughs> no, they just got amnesia. Yeah. <laughs> going into the engine of a plane. <laughs> Is Fast Five is the second one with The Rock or the first one with The Rock? I believe that is where Agent Hobbs comes in yes, at the, yeah. at, for the first time. Agent Hobbs. He's pursuing so. them. Fast, the right. sixth one is the one where, they, where they're like, we're putting a team together. And now Jason State, that now Shaw is the villain. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and then he to- joins the team as well. Anyway, yes. yeah. 
They all wind up a bad guy and then on the team. I can't wait to see Fast 20 when Jason Momoa is on the team. Right. Yeah. yeah. 100%. (laughs) Painting his nails while he drives with his knees. Boy, I gotta (laughs) say, that movie may not have been the greatest Fast and the Furious movie, but is he potentially the best Fast and the Furious villain? Oh sure, I would yeah, say yes. Case. He's, he's uh, always he's, having a great time. He's going for it. He's having nobody, a. He's, he knows he's in a Fast and the Furious movie, and he's having a blast being in mm-hmm. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He understood the assignment, a hundred percent. All right, Fast Five. I've got it on the list. Mark, what Fast do you have? I am going to go with again. I've got another one. I'm. I'm curious how this is going to play out toward the end. Toward the back end, I've got one in my pocket that I really want to talk about. But I'm going to start with one that I think is a fantastic prequel. I think it checks off all the boxes and was billed as a prequel, is a prequel. It leads right up to the moment that the movie that it is referencing begins, and that is Rogue One. I loved Rogue One. Me too. Mm -hmm. I think it introduced us to cool new characters. Yep. We know we knew the ending from the beginning, but it was the route to get there. And there were still enough surprises in it. Yeah. And it's almost like I went and saw Hades Town. At the beginning of Hades Town, the narrator comes out and says, This is a tragedy. You all know how this ends. This is a famous story. And they spend the whole play making you fall in love with Orpheus and Eurydice. And at the end, when she is dragged back down to the underworld, the narrator comes back out and is like, I told you, you spent all this time falling in love with these characters and thinking maybe things would go well for them. Guess what? They won't. And I felt that way about Rogue One. I spent so much. I knew how this story ended because I'd seen the other movies. But for some reason, there was a little hope in me at the end. But it's a tragedy. It's a beautiful tragedy that leads seamlessly into the first movie. Yeah. I, I, I also kind of avoided talking about rogue one at the top because I, I, I do think we should talk about it as maybe something that wins this. It's, mm-hmm. I agree. It's great. It is standalone, but I mean, surprises a plenty, yeah. uh, so much stuff that, you know, you don't see coming. Uh, yeah, tons of great characters. Uh, K2SO, one of the great Star Wars droids, right? I mean, absolutely. That's that's one of the coolest, funniest, you know, coolest designs on a droid. Gotta love him. Love a, uh, like a, like love the kind of blind force zealot. That's a great character. Mm -hmm, Uh, I forget the name of the actor, but they're great in this. Yeah, Force Whitaker, Matt Mickelson are all in this. I don't know. Everybody and it's great. They are. And everybody's going for it. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's the best post George Star Wars thing. It's great. It justifies its existence for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. I was the opposite of Mark. I couldn't get invested in any of the characters because I knew they all died. Like I just, <laughs> when I saw Gladiator, which is also a fine movie, I like Rogue mm-hmm. One better. But when I saw Gladiator, I knew in the first 30 seconds he was dead. I was like, well, nothing that happens here matters <laughs> because yeah. I can't get invested in him because I already know he's gone. Like that's just a mental thing I think that I have. But it is a really well done movie. It looks great. The sequence with Darth Vader in the tunnel where you yeah. see what was happening on the other that side of rules. that blast door. That's like the Darth Vader that we'd all been waiting to see. Or like we imagined him. We filled it in as children that that's what he was. Not a big lumbering Welsh bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's one thing it does really well, too, is it like it shows you the other side of a moment. It also if the original movie were annotated with footnotes, then it would be, you know, a lot of people died to get this to us. See footnote. 
and see right. this movie. You know what I mean? And then it fills in so many holes, introduces so many concepts to the universe of Star Wars. We see some of the espionage. We see the fight on the ground between yeah. the rebels. And, you know, you like if the first movie is a sweeping epic story about young heroes who get involved in this big epic tale, I think it fills in so many of the details of the big epic tale and the big epic fight that's happening. It's also neat yeah. that it's a Star Wars movie that's not about the Jedi. Like, I yeah. like Jedi stuff. I like lightsabers. Mm -hmm. There are Jedi in the movie. They do mm -hmm. cool Jedi sh It's great. But it's just not about the Skywalkers and the, the you know, and the yeah. stuff that feels like we're going back to it over and over again in these weird right. ways. And yeah, it's just nice that it's in the world that we like, and it's just got a different focus. Yeah. And it's also spawned what, in my opinion, is the best is maybe one of the best Star Wars things that's ever been done outside of Empire Strikes Back, which is Andor, that it, it yeah, spawned its own prequel sure. that right. is, that was so good. And like, again, spoke to, it expanded the universe. Things that expand the universe, I think is always going to be welcome in a prequel, especially when you know the same four characters or the same family line that everything is about in Star mm -hmm. Wars, that getting to refocus the camera for a second or just shift the angle a little bit is always welcome. So definitely gets points for that as well. Yeah. I'll throw one out there. I have three here. They're all prequels. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a rise of the planet of the apes, dawn of the planet of the apes and oh, war yeah. for the planet of the apes. The most recent prequels. I think they're fantastic. I think I'm going to go with rise of the planet of the apes. Cause it is the most prequely of all of these. We're getting closer and closer in each film mm -hmm. to the place where Charlton Heston arrives, mm -hmm. but it's a, a great, it's just like an interesting look at it. James Franco aside, it is a really. <laughs> this is, uh, this is Rise was Caesar is home. That's the, this is the first one. Rise is the, yes, Rise is Caesar yeah. is home. It's apes together strong. It's, it's I him love, becoming I more. I loved that movie. Yeah. It's really, really well done. And it just didn't feel too heavy on yeah. anything. And I think it's only gotten better. Those films have continued to get better. So I'm kind of hooked on them, but that's the one I would kind of throw out there as a really strong prequel that you don't need to have seen the other one. Like you can sort of enjoy it on its own as well. I think it, it sort of stands alone because it's not, it looks so different from any of the planet of the apes that yeah. came before it, but it also fits like, you know where it's going and you're enjoying, you get to enjoy the journey that they're sort of taking their time with. Yeah, if you haven't seen any of the other movies, it really is. Uh, Caesar is uh gorilla Norma Ray. Is what this is. <laughs> and a, a, a series with a rich tradition of prequels, I guess we should say. Yeah. I guess in Beneath the Planet of the Apes, um, mm -hmm. it, isn't that the one where the guys worship the atomic bomb under the earth and then it blows up and the so. movie ends with the world ending? <laughs> I uh, That one I never saw. Thank you. Kenneth saying yes. So, so Beneath yeah. is great. It's really wacky, really – it's a really cokey 70s movie. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I think that then that was successful and they're like, well, we got to make more of these. So the prequel was a necessity. It was mm – -hmm. and then you see kind of you know Caesar leading the revolution and then there's war for the planet of the apes, which I yep. think the different ape species are fighting each other. Uh, so, yeah, I mean I guess you do have to talk, kind of talk about a planet of the apes movie if you're talking about – lists of great prequels yeah yes and i think rise is rise is the purest of them like you said hal because it sets into motion everything yeah. in the reboot version of it 
Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. Jordan, Jordan what you got? One? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about one. This is a recent one. And I think, uh, uh, I think maybe this is my personal favorite prequel of all time oh. and little recency bias here. I loved Godzilla minus one. Godzilla minus not one. Seen it yet. Uh, in theaters now, uh, if you're a, yeah. if you're a fan of the big, G, uh, I get, get yourself to a movie theater. Um, a really terrific movie that, you know, is fun and exciting, but also kind of like, you know, pays tribute to the satirical part of Godzilla. I mean, this is the Mm -hmm. coldest movie guy fun fact of all time, but if you do watch that first Godzilla movie, you might be shocked at how, uh, kind of solemn it is. It's a little depressing. It is, you know, it is a country processing a great tragedy. Godzilla stands in for the atomic bomb. And this movie is kind of about, you know, is kind of taking that energy, that kind of commentary and, you know, kind of remixing it a little bit. It's kind of about survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really great, just like story of a guy. Like it's a story. It's one man's story that happens to include a lot of Godzilla fights in it. I love and it. It's, it's super well acted. It makes Godzilla scary, which I think if you grew up with just like, random godzilla movies on tv you were never scared of him right like he was cool he was funny but like this movie really makes him just this destructive beast that could be underneath your boat at any second yeah it makes a lot out of a little cgi wise the cool is cool the scary scary a really really impressive just a, a really cool way to do a godzilla movie in 2024 and yeah i think it like has everything a good prequel should i think it is so standalone like if you were just like a 10-year-old who wanted to see a monster, you could watch this. But if you do have watched a lot of Godzilla movies, um, it's got a lot of additional meaning. And I think it's so well done. All of the, what is it, the legendary universe now with the monsters? Um, yes. So this is separate from that. But yes. But the, this is, but, yeah, I mean, this is not the same as Kong Skull Island. It's not in that timeline. No, Godzilla versus Kong. Or, right. But, uh, sure. all, all of the Godzilla and King Kong content yeah. of the last, I would say, seven Seven, eight years has been incredible. I love Kong Skull Island, which mm-hmm. is technically a prequel. Yeah, yeah, you could talk about that for sure. And I like Godzilla versus Kong a lot too. I think that it's a yeah. really fun, crazy, yeah. like campy movie for sure. Yeah, I just as like a gorilla enthusiast, I love uh, seeing King Kong as a oh, hell you're as an a ape guy. synthetic hero. Yeah, love love the apes. Love big them. ape guy, love big ape guy. Got the t-shirt and everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not wearing it. I have multiple Gorilla t-shirts. I thought I was wearing oh, one. Okay. I just, I was very disappointed to see Hershey Park on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, what do you have next? I'm going to throw out there for my next one just because I think it's cool. It's a great, okay. fun prequel that came out in the midst of our collective frenzy of superhero films. And that is X-Men First Class. You took mine. Ooh, yeah. That's crazy. Oh, no. I like X-Men. I, I like it. that movie a lot. It is so great. Good. I think as far as doing a, I thought I, what I was talking about earlier, as far as giving the why of things and not just the, Hey, how did Professor X wind up in a wheelchair? Like, mm-hmm. which you know, like you see Xavier walking around at the beginning of the movie and you're like, okay, I know what one of the scenes in this movie is going to be. Yeah. But you get so much of the why for all of the different X-Men characters. You get so much backstory on Magneto. and I mean, arguably, that's the driving force of the movie is Magneto. Yeah. That scene where he's hunting down the old Nazis in the Argentinian bar. Oh, Oh my God. That's such a great scene. It's so good. Perfect. 
And every actor in that is just at the top of their game. And they know, they know they are in what I think is maybe the most stylish and coolest superhero movie in a world of cool and stylish superhero movies. I think that one's got the most style out of all of them. Yeah. It really revived the X-Men on film because, you know, X-Men Origins Wolverine was not good. The yeah, last yeah. stand was a mess. A couple of stinkers. And, yeah. Yeah. And then this comes along and essentially reboots everything. And they just got the right actors. If you have the right, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence is obviously greatest mystique, but mm-hmm. James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender have to carry all those movies and they do They're it great. brilliantly. They're so yeah. great. And that relationship is such a great, like, ongoing yeah. relationship and they kind of mm-hmm. nailed that it's so neat that they put that at the center of the movie um yeah i i really like that run of x-men movies but first class is is really really good i think yeah yeah i actually had that and days of future past listed which i also think is a is I like a, days is of future a good past too yeah it's really good it's the one that merges everything together mm-hmm. it's a midquel that's a that's it's a, a that's our midquel on the list. <laughs> that yeah, that one's really good too. X Men First Class is a great choice. That is a really really good choice. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put. We talked about it already. I'm gonna put Monsters University on the list. It is a fantastic prequel. It's also a really good college movie. Like that's <laughs> yeah. their college movie. They hadn't. I don't think they've made one since. They hadn't made one before. And uh, it's got a great everything from. I mean, even, even the reason why Steve Buscemi's character squints is oh, yeah. like everything gets <laughs> without it being too sweaty. They really go like, we're, by the end of this film, we're going to leave you where everybody was at the beginning of Monsters Inc., like who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's every step is worth it. It's really, really fun. I honestly, that's the other, I've not seen that one either. Oh my I know. goodness. Do, I know I you're the only the- one. You're the only that? one who's seen Monsters University. Let me ask you this. If it is yeah. a great college movie, yeah. Does it have the following tropes? Uh-huh. Is there a merry band of misfits that's in a fraternity that there's some sort of contest against yeah. another fraternity or another group that is of higher status than them? And they've got to scrap together to win the whole thing and learn something about themselves? Yes. Fantastic. I'm on board. Is there a mean dean? Is there like a dean that's real? <laughs> there is a dean, but the real villain is the head of like the popular fraternity who's played by Nathan Fillion. Oh, like yeah, a very nice. good role. A very good, good Nathan role. Good yeah. Casting. Really, really well cast role. I, there may be, a, I can't remember if there's a dean or not. I, pretty much everything, you know, it's Pixar, so they're going to touch every base on the way around. So it, it's very satisfying as a college film. It's very satisfying as a monster verse film and just very sweet, has a heart. It's got all the good Pixar stuff. Like it's a well-made Pixar movie that I think people kind of just flew under the radar. It is also just kind of a weird swing that they did want to like do all the college movie tropes. So there's just so much nudity in it, you know? Well, yeah, there are, it is a yeah, those problematic scenes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, sometimes there's a lot of wieners in a Pixar movie and that's why maybe that's why you guys didn't see it. You were just too. We're, yeah, uh, we're, we're too uptight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a little too uptight. You got to be cool to see Monsters University. Wow. Cool. <laughs> the porkies of Pixar. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Let's do one more round. Here's what I propose. We'll do one more round. Okay. And then I've got a, I've got an idea of a way to whittle it down to some okay. finalists. I think we did this, may have done this in another uh, version of this uh, same type of round robin thing, but let's do one more round. Jordan, our guest, what is your final? entrant yes. into this okay um i i really loved prey did you guys see prey the prequel to predator 
No, no. I thought you said Ray. And I, was I was like, like what I did is that see the, Ray. Is Ray the prequel to <laughs> Blues Brothers? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the prequel to that uh, the Diet Pepsi commercial. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> I have not seen Prey. So Prey oh. is really neat. Uh, I'm a huge Predator head. Mm-hmm. and But that that franchise has not had a great movie in a while. Um, mm-hmm. But this one really, really <laughs> is terrific. I think it does all the stuff we've been talking about. It is very standalone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're looking close, there's a lot of fun stuff for fans. Since it is a prequel, the, you know, Predators, they're an alien race. They hunt people. Mm-hmm. They come down to a planet, find its greatest warriors and hunt them for sport. So the Predators tech is different. Like their tech isn't as advanced. So you get to see like different versions of the weapons that you'll see in the Schwarzenegger film. Oh, that's and cool. Schwarzenegger film, I said. Um, the movie with Schwarzenegger in it. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> piece of Schwarzenegger cinema. Yes, that, that chunk of Schwarzenegger that yeah. <laughs> came out in 1987. <laughs> so yeah, so that is really fun. And there's a little post credits thing to where you, you know, see some hints that the story is going to continue. But, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, elbow, elbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a really good movie that understands what was fun about the original. It gives it to you in a different way. Um, a lot of great performances. Yeah, and the Easter eggs are they are just sweaty enough. They're not too sweaty, but they have a, they have a, a light drizzle of perspiration <laughs> on them. All right. Do you guys come up with the sweaty Easter egg thing, or is that a common phrase for Easter eggs? Sweaty is Did this show sweaty is a okay. gaming yeah. term. It's, okay, it's that's, that you're, my, that's it. I'm you're so uh, intense in playing the game, and so you have such a need to win that you get sw- your hands are sweating all over gotcha. the controller. Is that fair to say, Jordan? I guess I think about it as like something you say about like a joke that you kind of crowbar in awkwardly, like yeah. my joke about be our guest earlier. Like <laughs> I don't think that was awkward at all. That one got the yay for me. <laughs> you booed that. I gave that one. <laughs> so yeah, there's, uh, uh, so yeah, I, I, that's how I, when I call something sweaty, I guess I'm saying like awkwardly, awkwardly inserted with a lot of effort. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. All right. Uh, so, so yeah, pray, check it out. Uh, right. If, I've if not seen it, but I'm excited to see it yeah, now. It's really cool. Yeah. I would cool. check that out. For my last one, I think it's one of the greatest films of all time. I think it is a version of a prequel. I don't know that it checks every box of a prequel, but it is at least one half prequel. And it answers a lot of questions from the original movie. It draws parallels to its source material. And also it not only does it enrich the story that is to come, it is interspersed with the story that is to come. And I'm talking about Viva Rock Vegas, the (laughs) Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas, where we are introduced to a young Vito Corley Stone E. (laughs) No, I'm talking about the Godfather part two is the Godfather part two a prequel. Okay, my I'm I'm I'll 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 tear up my movie guy card here. I haven't seen it. I've only seen the first Godfather. Oh, it's great. Oh, you'll love it. So you've got a gift to unwrap. It is a great movie, and it is the story of Vito Corleone, Marlon Brando's character, is half of the movie, and that is played by a young Robert De Niro playing a young Vito Corleone. Oscar winning. And Oscar winning in this. And one best picture at the Oscars. I believe it's the only sequel ever to do that. Oh, neat. Yeah. 
No, the Lord of the Rings film also won best. Oh, the, yeah, there you go. Yeah, until that point it was. And uh, Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze also won. That's Correct. true. That's, that's right. True. Turtles in Time was nominated but got robbed. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a Super Nintendo game, Hal. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, it I guess they travel, they, they travel through time in the third one. You're right. Yeah, they go back to Middle Japan. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like they is were always Turtles in Time? Do. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it is. It is called Turtles in Time. Oh my god. It's also the subtitle of the Super Nintendo game. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. More importantly, it is the subtitle of the Super Nintendo sure. game. Uh, you know, Mark, I, before we were talking before you got here, Jordan, about it, and the, my, in my brain, I was like, oh, it is a prequel because my parents for their, I think it was their second or third date, they went to see Godfather Part Two. They had not seen the original mm-hmm. Godfather and they walked out because it made no sense to them. Oh, interesting. But I think part of that is because it is half a prequel and half a sequel. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's a true prequel. Now, like there is an edit. There's the I I don't I forget what it's called. Like the Le- I think it's saga. called the Godfather Saga. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. Where Transfer Coppola went back and cut it in order, so it starts with De Niro, and then it gets to the Godfather, and then gets to that part of the Godfather Two, oh, Godfather neat. Three, and then you're out. Mm-hmm. Is that the but, way to uh, watch it? Do you think? I would watch it as originally. Yeah. Especially if you have seen the first Godfather movie. Okay. Yeah. Because there are so many moments that are parallel moments. And that's what's beautiful about it, I think, is the first movie is the story of Michael Corleone. The second movie, at the risk of sounding like one of those Kens that mansplains the Godfather <laughs> to the people of the world out there. The second movie is interspersed Vito's story with Michael's story. And you see the parallels between those two patriarchs of the family. Yeah, it's it's both of them. You know, you're seeing Vito Corleone become sort of the cold-blooded guy that he is in the film. And you're also mm-hmm. seeing Michael, you know, Michael takes the first steps in The Godfather and he's like ready to be there. But he really becomes ruthless by the end of Godfather 2. Like he takes that next step that puts him yeah. like th- he's there's no going back. Yeah, that's I I believe we think... missed the many saints of Newark. Is nobody going to say the many saints of Newark? Uh, <laughs> that's the Sopranos prequel. It is the Sopranos prequel. Yeah. Tony Soprano's oh uncle. <laughs> With Gandolfini's kid, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good on him. Do you want to throw another one out there, Mark? Do you have another one in second position? No, no, no. That was it. But this is your last one, Hal, on the list. And then we'll do our final one. It's not one. going on. The Godfather 2 is not going on the list because it's not a prequel. Do you have another one you want to put oh, up I'm, there? Well, I'm, 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 I'm dinging it for well, – well, don't worry. I've got a way to wrap this up. After we're, Right now we're just in the discussion phase. Jeez. Well, I, I don't uh, – boy, this is tough. I have a couple. Were you hoping that I would add one more so that I could talk about one that you had wanted to talk about, but no, I would knock I mean, it off the list for you? Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, I feel like kind of belongs there because it is a prequel by almost Mm. any definition, even if you don't think of it that way. I also, I have not seen it, which is, it'd be weird to add it without having seen it, but my understanding is, uh, well, two movies, uh, Bumblebee and and Puss in Boots are both supposed to be spectacular Mm. movies. Both of them are prequels, but I'll go with the one. I'll go with the one I've seen that was the first Indiana Jones film I ever saw, which is Temple of Doom. I'll I'll put that on the list. Temple of Doom you'll put on the list, which we've talked about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here is how I would like, if I may, to throw out, uh, to whittle this down to a final three. Here is how this game will work. Each of us will choose from the list that we have just crafted, but none of your own films. Ooh, love this. Love choosing it. Choose a film from one of the other two lists. 
And yeah. the, the ones that are on the list as we are looking at it right now, Fast Five, Rogue One, Rise of the Planet of the Eights, Godzilla Minus One, X-Men First Class, Monsters University, Prey, Godfather 2, and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Love it. So bring forward one that someone else offered up. Tough Jordan, one. you may go first. Oh, verbally. Ah. <laughs> I did it in the chat. <laughs> I, like, I did it. I just did it. Are you looking at yeah. the chat? I'm going Rogue One. I, I love that yeah. movie. I was planning on talking about it myself. And yeah, just, yeah. just uh, you know, does all the prequel stuff right. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I'm going to go with Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I think it, for the universe that it was trying to corral, I think it did a great job of corralling that universe. And giving us characters to care about at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go with X-Men First Class because I think it nails, it nails everything good about the X-Men films prior. It digs deeper into the retconned origin of, of Magneto as a Holocaust survivor and mm-hmm. like makes him exactly who he should be, which is a really complex villain. And it's got enough of like, here's Cerebro for the first time. Like you see all yeah. these things that, could be mm. sweaty if done wrong, but Matthew Vaughn, I think, handles it. He's a, he very nimbly directs that movie. It could have gotten very sloppy very fast, but he holds it together. And it's, I mean, you have Kevin Bacon as Sebastian Shaw. Oh, like yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rose Byrne as Moira McTaggart. Like you have good just chanting. all these great. January the Jones. Whole, January Jones. Yeah. Yeah. January Frost. Jones. Come on. Emma Frost. Yeah. She's Eddie Gatheggy's in that movie. Love me some Eddie Gatheggy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's it's, he? Uh, he's, he's the one, he's one of the, I don't know the character's name. He's the, the one that can, can absorb, uh, he, he's absorbs the one powers. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. uh, and he gets that great final look right before he dies. Spoiler. Uh, he gets yeah. that great, that forlorn look of he knows what's about. It's just one of those images in that movie that stuck in my head was his performance. Yeah. yeah he's great in that. All right. So we've got our final three and that is X-Men first class, Rogue One and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I'm going to wager that we all may be on the same page. So if we count to three and all say a movie, just to gauge where we are. Okay. Can we try that? Hal, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm I'm okay. ready. All right. I'm curious to see how this – I feel like I know how this Me is going to go. I'm very excited. Me too. One, two, three. Rogue X-Men One. X-Men first class. Oh, did you oh, both wait. say X Men? I did. Say, I said X Men too. I could. I could go. I mean, oh, I. Oh, think- so now it's down to two then. Yeah. Wow. I thought for sure that it was going to be both of you saying Rogue One. What, well, what may, made you... I, maybe this is the maybe this is the doormat in me. Maybe this is the peacemaker. <laughs> or, listen, I had a turbulent family growing up, and someone sure. had to hold it together. Yeah. I what I was feeling is that we all. Uh, you know, I think we all like all of these movies, but I think yeah. we mm-hmm. all got excited about First Class in kind of the same way. Uh, yeah. I know Mark and I uh, both like Rogue One a lot. Hey, how maybe you're a little softer on it. And I know that a lot of people are. I know that like it, I, I think the cash inniness of the movie, you know, hard not to have it in the back of your head. Yeah. But I think we did all get excited about First Class in a way that I think, yeah, made me think that maybe it's the one. I am perfectly fine with first class being the winner because also it took a stylistic leap away from what the other ones had done and yet still gave us everything that we wanted. You know what I mean? And that movie could be watched by anyone who didn't, you didn't need Easter eggs for that movie to be cool. It could be the only one that you saw. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board for X-Men first class picking up this victory. Wow. Yeah. People bring us home. If you have heterochromia, 
where your eyes are two different colors, that's a mutation. That makes you a mutant. <laughs> right. And uh, Very yeah, groovy it's, mutation. It's so clever. It revived <laughs> like a franchise from the dead and set it against the background of the Cuban Missile Crisis and the mm. Cold War. Just very brilliantly works in all of these different moving pieces, introduces us to characters who carried through for another, what, almost 10 years of films, yeah. some mm-hmm. of which were great, some of which were not hit and miss. That's movies. But uh it got us all excited. Maybe it got you excited when you heard it because you didn't think of it at first. But now you want to go watch X-Men First Class because it's the best prequel there is. Ask the best X-Men mo- it's the best X-Men movie. It's the best X-Men movie. Oh, is it the best, best X-Men, X-Men movie? movie? I think oh, it's the best, it X-Men, the best movie. X-Men movie. It's oh, the best yeah. X-Men movie, and the second best X-Men movie is Frozen. <laughs> Jordan, thank you for coming on the show today. You have something exciting to tell the world about, oh, my yes, friend. Gosh, yes, gosh. Speaking of comic books and Go comic on. Book characters, uh, I've got a new graphic novel coming out later this year. It is called Youth Group. Um, it is a YA horror comedy about a bunch of goofy teenage exorcists. Uh, I did it with a great artist named Bowen McGurdy, uh, whose work you might know from a great series called Spectre Inspectors and uh, certain issues of Marvel Comics. A real genius, real dream to work with. Yeah, it is a it's kind of based on my childhood going to a like hip Bible study where the, you know, youth pastor had tattoo sleeves and yeah. sat backwards on the chair and <laughs> told you about a pretty cool guy named JC who was Amazing. punk rock, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, a, it's, 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 I, yeah, I grew up in one of those. It's a funny little world that I, I don't often see depicted accurately in media i'd always kind of wanted to write a story in that world and uh yeah and then and then got to cook up this story about demon fighting bible study goofballs um yeah it's got kind of buffy the vampire slayer vibes Shaun of the dead vibes maybe so if you like those things youth group is available for pre-order you can do that on amazon you can do that at barnes and noble uh better yet your local indie bookstore a great place yeah. to pre-order books yeah if it sounds cool to you those pre-orders really really help books i don't exactly know why but they want you to do it <laughs> so uh yeah if it sounds cool uh bit.ly slash youth group book is a website you can go to um you can see the cover uh, a little bit of the art on the inside get a description and see all those beautiful pre-order links bit.ly slash youth group book and uh yeah i'm excited for people to check it out dude i've never i grew up kind of in that world as well oh yeah never has simply the title of a graphic novel and not since Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter have yeah. I wanted to pick up a book based entirely on the title, but a graphic novel called Youth Group from Jordan Morris. That's the most important yeah. part to ah, me. By Jordan sure. Morris, because I love your work. I oh, love yeah, Bubble. Yeah. I love your, I mean, you're hilarious. You're a blast. All oh, your stuff thanks, is man. Thanks, so man. Much I, fun. I, I have to be honest. Every time I see you in public, every time we, we get to cross paths, this is the truth. This is not podcast. I feel, no. I don't know why I feel like sharing this. I always feel a little intimidated because you are so funny and nice. Oh, and I'm like, thank you. That's I, nice I, of you, you are thank one you. of those people where I'm like, oh, I hope he likes me. I hope I feel friends. the same way about they're... you guys. Okay. You guys are hilarious. Right. And... You're, you're a human hug, Jordan Morris. Yeah, you are, seriously. Ah, got it you, are, out. you are a bunch of hugs guys, stacked on top of each other guys. in a trench coat. What fun. Tr- <laughs> thank well, you, thank so you for much. coming. I appreciate that bit.ly slash youth group book correct yes, yes that's the one yeah beautiful all right well everybody go pre-order the book jordan's hilarious you just heard him for an hour you know jordan's hilarious uh, thank you this topic is closed but there are many more topics to discuss so please reach out to us via email at we got this podcast at gmail.com or 
Go to our Facebook group. Talk about your favorite prequels. Is there one we didn't mention? Is there one that you want to talk more about? Oh, That's yeah. the place to do it. Facebook.com slash group slash we got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume. You can support him at patreon.com slash Ken Plume or by supporting Woo-hoo. us. Max Fun Drive, just around the corner. That's right. You're going to have an ample opportunity to do that and be rewarded for it. Thank you also to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kilman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for giving us a chance to sit down with our friend Jordan, talk about some stuff that obviously we all love and have such a great time playing with. And I I say it a lot, and I'll keep saying it because it's true. You are the reason we do this show. You give us the opportunity every week to come on and have a great time with our friends and with each other. And you have created a wonderful community of like-minded and dislike-minded, joyful arguers on the Internet. And it's the most fun place to be. So to you, I say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. We got this. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.